In today's episode of Bill and Frank's Guild Free Pleasures, we discuss a song that came out of one of the more bizarre and awesome movies of the 1980s. Which is saying a lot considering all the bizarre, awesome movies in the 1980s. We're talking about an artist who took a free ride, all while living in America. And wow, Dan Hartman is way more incredible than we could have ever dreamed. This is I Can Dream About You by Dan Hartman on Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. In this episode, we are featuring Dan Hartman's I Can Dream About You. And this is a song that you, Frank, brought to the table. Yeah. Part of my routine every morning is I get ready for work and I have my oatmeal for breakfast and I jump onto YouTube and I just start watching video clips from 80s, 90s, top 100 songs from 1984 or something like that. They start counting down all these songs. It came up and I'm just like, Dan Hartman, I can dream about you. This goes on the list. This has to happen. But I know that I like the song, but I don't know a whole lot about it before we uh, jumped into it. I still don't know a whole lot because Wikipedia wasn't super, super informed. Now, on my end, when you told me, I'm like, oh, I remember it. That's an okay song, but I guess that's what we do here. Sometimes we do songs that are kind of peripheral. Yeah. But I was wrong. Every time I listened to the song, I liked it more and more. And every time I looked into Dan Hartman, I found out more fascinating information. And I started to earn this like major respect for what he was as an artist and then by the end of the week i was just like listening to dan Hartman all day going through his albums yeah and totally in so i'm so glad you brought this song to the table and this is what i love about what we're doing here is that you end up finding out that there's this great legacy behind these songs and this one has an incredible legacy. Yes, and and it's one of those songs, too, that I've always known about it, but I didn't know it. But it makes you want to just sort of jump into all of those unknown songs, those, those periphery background songs that have always existed, and you've known that they've existed, but now you just want to dive into them and understand them even more. Yeah, and... With each of these sort of artists that seem like nobodies, we're like, who's Dan Hartman? Actually, I, I confused him with Dan Hill, who's saying, sometimes when we touch, I'm like, yeah. oh, sometimes when we touch, like, oh, no, this isn't him at all. And then I'm like, wait, that's a Hall and Oates song. Yeah. And I had all these confusing sort of moments trying to come to this song. Well, I didn't help things either when I said, we need to do I Can Dream About You by Dan Haggerty, who's an <laughs> <Yeah>. actor. <laughs> I spent a long time looking up Dan Haggerty, too. <laughs> So I found out a lot about him, but then turned out he didn't sing at all. Yeah. So. <laughs> So let's go through a little history of Dan Hartman. Yeah. So Dan Hartman's coming out of small town Pennsylvania, I believe. I'm calling it small town. I just read an article written by a guy from his town. So I don't know if it's such a uh, a small town. He was from Harrisburg, which is the capital of 
Okay, I was totally wrong. <laughs> or actually, it says he was from just outside of Harrisburg. Oh, okay, West Hanover Township. So okay, well maybe maybe I'm still right. I was I was looking at a um. There's an article written by a journalist from there, and it wasn't even an article. Like, the journalist just posted interviews he had done with Dan Hartman. And that's where I got that from. But either way, Dan Hartman begins in a band called, I believe, Legends or something like that in the 60s. And this is when he's a teenager in a high school band. Yeah. But they do really well in the area. From there, he joins the Edgar Winter Group. Yeah. And Edgar Winter Group is another one of those bands that I know about, but I have no idea what they sing. Well, that was the same for me. And then they mentioned this song that... He had something to do with writing. But then I found out he actually, he didn't just have something to do with writing. He wrote the song itself. And he wrote it before he joined the band. Oh, okay. So I'm going to just play a little portion of it here. Oh my good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, free write. He, okay, that's the Edgar Winter Group. And that's Dan Hartman wrote that? That's bonkers. So he not only wrote it, it was him singing on it. And there's a video I'm going to post in the show notes of Dan Hartman. You got it in my head. I keep thinking Dan Haggerty. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. So Dan Hartman singing it and he's on bass playing well, it just hard out. That bass just takes a walk through that yeah. whole song too. And Dan Hartman wasn't even a bass player. He was in there, I think, as a rhythm guitarist. And okay. the bass player ended up either like spacing out or ha- or getting sick, but he didn't know if it was sick through sickness, sex, drugs, or rock and roll. He said <laughs> he knew he had to get out there. And he got out there and played bass for a show. They had three encores for that show. Yeah. And he hadn't, from what I can gather, played bass like that before. Okay. But he's so accomplished as a musician. As a kid, he was like a concert piano player. Yeah, that's right. He was a like a, a prodigy. Yeah, and then he ended up getting into his this band where they gave him an organ to play. And so he also learned guitar, I guess. And these prodigies, are these, when we have friends who are musical, they just tend to just play whatever instrument you put in front of them. I know, and it kind of makes me angry considering that I can't play anything or sing anything. Also, the Edgar Winter group, just on the bit of a sidebar, is super strange. Like, Edgar Winter is such a fascinating individually like has a striking presence yeah we watch him play i think the song is called frankenstein and he's not only like playing this stand-up synthesizer like that's that's kind of hooked up like it was like guitar you know that when they have the um, like a guitar yeah okay (laughs) he's got that and then he moves to the drums and starts playing drums while the drummer's playing he's playing drums and then he grabs a saxophone while he's playing it and they said like different players would be doing things he'd be moving around the stage and then the drummer had a springboard set up so he could jump on it and leap over the drum kit Are during performances. Me? And Dan Harmon just said, I didn't know if we were ever going to survive. <laughs> so just fascinating. And Dan Hartman here is playing like, what, what type of music do you call this? Like he's got this, this, it's rock. It's rock. It's a bit of funk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's got a lot going on, but he's got pop sensibilities yeah. even in that song. And there's this sort of innocence to how he sings it and yeah. even the lyrics are so are so fun yeah it's amazing yeah so after the edgar winter group he goes solo yeah and he does these phenomenal 
disco tracks. Have you heard any of them no. yet? Okay, get ready to be amazed. This is pretty awesome. You set my lips on fire. What's the name of this song? You to my heart. This is really good. Instant replay. It's so good. I want to say disco has got a bad rap. It is fun, yeah. great music. And he is criminally underrated or at least underrepresented. Like I, I hadn't heard of him in disco. I guess yeah. this went to number one for dance uh, charts, but yeah. might have made it number six on the billboard. But the 70s is kind of a strange era where I, I don't really know a lot of those songs. I'm going to play another one for you, Frank, just because I don't even know where to keep this in. But I just want to give you an appreciation of what he was doing as a uh, songwriter in the disco era. Who do you hear? Oh, I hear, um, what's his name? Uh, Bruno Mars. Exactly. And I hear Jamiroquai too. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But, Bru- yeah. but Bruno yeah. Mars is the other one I was thinking yeah. of as well. Like, this is the sound that they're emulating. Yeah. And so I contacted our good friend, Nathan Holmes, who, of course, is on our Enya podcast. Yep. And asked him about Instant Replay. And he said, I don't know that, but I do know Relight My Fire. And it's amazing. Now, Relay My Fire was covered by Take That in, like, 1993. Oh, yeah? Just around the time, well, Dan Hartman passed away, I think, in 93. 94. Oh, 94. So yeah. he's sick in 93, but he would have seen that Take That was going, like, to number one in UK with yeah. his song, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is which pretty is pretty cool pretty for cool. him. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, So I was on a site. This was on Queer Music Heritage, where they talked about these songs being super important in the, I think it was, like, gay clubbing scene or just in the late 70s like these songs were all like really important to people who were there and they talked about this song this song Relight My Fire and Instant Replay being like these key tracks and there's another one that's like a Yacht Rock song that that comes up on Yacht Rock Radio I won't tell you every song he did because we could be here all day but or all night some of us have to work in the morning yeah sorry about that (laughs) I did come a bit late here a big part of his life was his private life that was super private and people yeah. didn't really know about. So Dan Hartman was gay. And this isn't like a surprise to those who knew, but he was very private about it. So he's closeted. Mm-hmm. And as you kind of had to be, I think, in the 80s, yeah. you weren't able to be open about things. And so in a lot of his songs, I think there is a gay subtext that you can hear in them. 
Yeah. That's my my kind of reading on it. I know this because there's a song by Tom Robinson called Still Loving You. And it's about a relationship where the person knows the person will leave at some point, but he's still loving the person in the midst of it. But okay. underneath it, there's um, what he calls a gay sensibility. Dan Hartman understood it and sent him a letter. Okay. And they ended up writing songs together oh, and neat. sort of okay. understood it. So a lot of uh, people didn't know about his personal life. He didn't mm-hmm. let people know. Yeah. And so when he got HIV in the late 80s, he didn't tell anybody, even his closest friends, I guess they didn't know. He didn't seek treatment or anything. And so he ended up passing away from a brain tumor. We don't know if it's connected to the HIV, but people assume it. Yeah. But it was such a tragic loss to such an amazing artist. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I want to make sure we say that. I've watched things on YouTube and and heard people talk about him and they don't talk about this. It's an important part of his life because it was his life. This is part of his life. And I don't want to be part of the culture that is... Well, just ignoring it glazes it over yeah. or doesn't it doesn't acknowledge it it's important we acknowledge it it's also important we acknowledge how awesome his songs are yeah and his legacy and what a huge loss it was to music and to just life everyone said he was super kind and super um giving as a person and he helped out everyone around him and he was private but also within his, the sphere of people who are around him, they all loved him. Yeah. And so this had me thinking about our That's What Friends Are For podcast episode where we talked, I think we talked off, Mike, about how many people were lost to AIDS in the 80s. And yeah. you just lost all of these amazing artists and people. And so we want to do the honor here. After his Relight My Fire album, he releases another album that doesn't do so well. I can't remember the name of it. Do you have it in front of you there? Is it like It Hurts to Be in Love? Yeah. It's pretty good from the stuff I listened to, but it, it didn't really uh catch fire the way yeah. his other stuff did. Well, I think the disco stuff was dead and maybe he was branching out into different directions. But... Yeah. And I think he's trying new things and he's doing some soundtrack stuff because I think he's on I don't know when Fletch came out, but he's got at least two songs on the Fletch oh, okay. soundtrack. <laughs> I think he's always been producing, right? And I think we talked about this as well, that he seems like he might be more comfortable behind the switchboard than in front of the mic. Yeah. I went into some of the stuff that he did. It's prolific. It's amazing. And so he had a song he wrote that he wanted Hall & Oates to record. And he told them, and he said, it's going to be perfect for you. But they said, we already have an album coming out so that they're not able to put it on. And so he had this demo just sitting there for this song and he's kind of on a it seems like he's on a downward sort of slope in terms of his career as a singer mm-hmm. and he gets a call from jimmy iovine producer extraordinaire who's come up a lot in our podcast as well yeah 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 well when you're as good as he is oh yeah he's gonna get mentioned on a high-end podcast like bill yeah. Bragg's skill for your pleasures so he asked for a song and he wanted it to be a kind of and i quote a kind of blue-eyed soul song yeah, and that was for the soundtrack for uh, Streets of Fire, right? That's right. Yeah. And Blue-Eyed Soul is Hollow Notes. Like, yeah. I think that's when they invented the term was for Hollow Notes. Yeah. Or is that Rhythm and Soul? I, I don't know. Sorry. But I'll let you speak. When you listen to the song, you can totally picture Hollow Notes singing this song. Completely. I think he does Hollow Notes better than Hollow Notes. Yeah. Like this, it is incredible. And so you end up finding out that he could imitate voices. So he would do songs for Tina Turner 
and send her the track singing in her voice. Really? And I have a version of Living in America that he did, but it's clearly the demo for for, for James, James Brown. Brown. Yeah. And so it's him singing like James but Brown. But sounding like James Brown. And so this all makes sense. So when you hear Free Ride, when you hear Instant Replay, when you hear this, they all sound like different singers. The man's a chameleon. Yeah. A karma chameleon? <laughs> Does that mean this is not a good thing? I think karma, I don't think in the song it was good. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to get to that. We'll have we... to understand. We'll have to read the lyrics and understand it. Yeah, we will do an episode on that. Right? Sure. Okay. So it's taking us a while to get to the song. We need to talk about Streets of Fire. Oh, absolutely. I rented it last night. Yeah, I watched a couple of clips after you said that you watched the entire thing. A lot of exploding motorcycles. It looks like a cross between Mad Max and RoboCop. Yeah, that is probably correct. There's some sort of cyberpunk elements, if I got that right. And yeah, it's like an it's 80s, really 50s... Dystopian yeah. film, yeah. It is so rewarding as a watch, or as <laughs> our, our good friend Nathan Holmes, the film prof, says, it was wild. D- did Nate, That was Nate's comment? Yeah, it was, and inside. it was wild. It was very watchable, and so much of part of its time, and so odd. And the music yeah. they have in there is so weird. Like, they have Jim Steinman songs to represent, like, rock and roll and how rock and roll is dangerous. Yeah. And it fits Jim Steinman's style, totally. And then there's other tunes, like Ry Cooter does the actual soundtrack. So it's got the Ry Cooter sound, which is its own thing. Yeah. And then you have at the very end of the movie after, like, things have been dealt with, this band called the Sorrells that you meet earlier in the movie. They get up and they look kind of like the Temptations and they got this sort yeah, of vibe, that, with, Motown vibe thing. With silver suits. Yeah. They sing the song. Oh, okay. This song. But it's not Dan Hartman singing it. And it's not Stoney Jackson, who's the lead singer of the band. Yeah, the, the actor who plays yeah, the lead singer. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember the name of the actual character, but it was Stoney Jackson. I think his name is Bird or something. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> it's totally, in that movie, of course his name is Bird. Yeah. But the singer was, I think, Winston... Winston Ford. Winston Ford, who is a very good singer. Mm-hmm. And he also passed away, tragically, car crash 2007. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah I read that as well. He's got, uh, like, two albums on uh, Spotify. And I think he's, like, gospel. He's a gospel singer. He used to sing with Philip Bailey from yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire. So he's got huge pedigree. So he's singing Dan Hartman's song, and they're lip-syncing to him singing Dan Hartman's song. Yeah. And it's at the end of the movie, and there's this whole routine. It's really... Really cool. I know we're we're probably going to get into this for sure when we talk about the video or the song or, or when we jump into the the song itself a little bit more. But apparently, the line "moving sidewalks" when they when they sing "moving sidewalks," they do this wicked moonwalk routine. It's amazing. So I mean, I know the moonwalks existed. People say Michael Jackson invented the moonwalk, but yeah. I believe it, he didn't invent it. Okay, he invented the robot though. Did he? Well, okay, I might not know that, but I think he did. <laughs> I thought the robot was invented by uh, Alan Turing. Either way, whoever invented it, their moonwalk is awesome. Yeah. They're, they're doing, one guy does the moonwalk backwards. The other seem to be doing the moonwalk forwards oh, okay. during the scene, and it's great. And so this is featured in the first video that's put on MTV. Yeah.
All right, we're getting there. Yeah. We're circling around this. Now, you have... Okay, what was his name again? Winston? Winston Ford. Okay. So you have Winston Ford singing the vocal. They want to release the Winston Ford vocal as a single from the album. Yeah. The movie doesn't do well at the theaters. People don't get it, and for good reason. Yeah, it's a little all over the place, right? but it is worth a view. Anyways, the soundtrack does really well, and they want to release this as the song on the soundtrack to be put as a single. And there's a whole controversy surrounding this. But Dan Hartman, originally, when he gave the song over, put in a clause in it that if there was a single released, it'd have to be his vocal. Yeah, if, if the song for promotion or like single release, it was his vocal, it wasn't anyone else's. Yeah, and then he would also be featured in the video. Yeah. That was part of it too. But the first video was Dan Hartman was not in, it was the Sorrells. And it was Winston Ford. That's right. So what he had to do, I think he didn't just have to do it. He volunteered to do it, to make a deal. And I got this from that unreleased interviews from Mm -hmm. the late 80s for that guy from his hometown. He said that he saw the video and said, you know what I'll do? I will overdub the vocals for the Sorrells. So he sang a new vocal, not the vocal you hear on the single. He did a new vocal. So when you watch the video... For this from the Sorrells, mm-hmm. it's Dan Hartman singing, but it doesn't sound like the song. So you'd think it was oh, okay. Winston Ford, but it's actually ah, Dan Hartman Barbara. doing a different vocal. So it's Dan Hartman imitating Winston Ford, maybe. It is so weird. I think okay. there's simulacrum somewhere in there. Right? There's something real or something fake. I don't even know what's real anymore. Yeah. But you have what like, is reality? <laughs> yeah, it was so strange. And then they finally did another video yeah. with just Dan Hartman and the girl who played the guy in Just One of the Guys. Yes, that's right. (laughs) But I think we'll get to the video later. We are taking a long time to get to this, but there's a lot about Dan Hartman that really needs to be talked about. Like, he had this fantastic career in life, and the music and everything surrounding is, is... I'm learning so much sitting here listening to you basically read interviews to me because I'm too lazy to read them myself. He's had such a fascinating story. He deserves a full biography. Yeah. He deserves to have his albums reissued because there's an album called I Can Dream About You that's not available on streaming services or I think it's out of print, but you can hear it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. He's got so many good songs. He's so talented and it sounds like an all-around great guy with the whole tragic backstory, too, this needs to be highlighted more. I know they had benefits contracts for him, and I know there's actually a thing that gives out scholarships in his name that oh, okay. he set up. Yep. Oh, upon like funds his death. or, or yeah. foundations. Foundation, that's the word. And so I know that, but he, we need to do more. Yep. Dan Hartman deserves so much more, and I hope that we're doing him justice here. So go to our GoFundMe page where we're going to put a Dan Hartman statue up in St. Catharines. He deserves it. Or we'll just put one up in the Winchester. Dan Hartman, this is for you. We'll raise a glass to you. Yeah. So let's jump into the song. What a start. The disco feel is still there. Yeah. That percussion that really produced synthy per- percussion or whatever you want to call it. It's It feels like a synth bass, but I think it's a real bass. It's hypnotic. It is hypnotic. So you have bass, drums, and then like 
lower keys, like bass keys going on at that very beginning. Yeah. And it's so um, mesmerizing. Yeah. And then when it hits that vocal, they have like higher keys. Yeah. (laughs) I'm holding my hands. (laughs) Is it higher keys or a hierarchy? We don't do hierarchy here, Frank. Oh, okay. We do higher keys. Gotcha. So I think they're doing keys that are upper in that piano oh, okay. uh, keyboard thing. Yeah, they call the synthy. The synthy thing. Synthy. <laughs> but it fits. We're going back to our roots here, oh, not understanding are. what any yeah. instrument is. But either way, there's something high going on there, and so is his voice. And it, yeah. match, it just blends in perfectly, and that first verse jumps in. Those first lines are... I don't know what they mean, but they just seem so beautiful. No more timing each tear that falls from my eyes. I'm not hiding the remedy to cure this old heart of mine. No more timing each tear that falls from my eyes. I'm not hiding the remedy to cure this old heart of mine. I really like that first line of no more timing each tear that falls from my eyes. I don't know what it means, but it just seems really sweet and sincere. It does. And this is the thing with his music and his lyrics. Are they so sincere? Like the free ride has that too, this yeah. sort of openness to life and all that it can bring to you. And you're like, come on, let's let's do this. And then in this song, it's, okay, I know the remedy to longing for somebody. And so that's what I have written down in front of me here like just big question marks. And he says, he's not hiding the remedy. I'm like, well, what is the remedy? Well, I guess the only remedy to longing for somebody is to let your imagination take over. And it's kind of a neat sort of idea there to say, I'm not going to be sad or depressed, even though it's kind of a depressing idea that he can't be with this person. Yeah, but he can dream about them. That's right. And so you have a really quick first verse. Yeah, and it launches right into that chorus. The chorus is fantastic, too. It's super efficient. He knows exactly what he's doing. We're not here for verses. And it's very 80s, right? Verses are... Sometimes the verses are so long in the 80s, and all we want to hear is the chorus. Yeah. He knows it straight to the chorus. Where he says, I can dream about you if I can't hold you tonight. I can dream about you. You know how to hold me just right. Which is a neat balance there, where he says, I can dream about you if I can't hold you. He's dreaming about this person who can hold him. And so that still seems kind of sad, but I feel like he's probably just hugging his pillow. Yeah. (laughs) So that's making him feel like he's holding the person. But the idea that your imagination can protect you and help you through tough times is that's kind of a positive idea. I don't think it's kind of. I think it really is a positive idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, verse two. And I think, well, no, there's three verses. Well, no, there's, well, here, I think there's three verses and I think there's two bridges. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, there's definitely one bridge. Yeah, there might be two. There might be two. Okay, here we go. Moving sidewalks, I don't see under my feet. Climbing up from down here below where the street sees me lonely for you. Moving sidewalks, I don't see under my feet. 
Yeah, that last line in that verse is it, it just goes on. Yeah. And it works because it's just moving to that chorus. Yeah, because they're, well, he's moving on that sidewalk that he can't see under his feet. Well, my question then is, are we in a dream sequence now? That he's, you know, in your dreams, you can't see your feet or feel yourself yeah. walking. There's yeah, like yeah. talks about things you don't notice. Well, may, well, yeah, because he's dreaming about them. I couldn't tell if it was a dream or just the notion of what he's doing before he dreams, walking along the streets. And it works as well, too. I like the idea that he's in a dream. Yeah. And then when he's... Very meta. Yeah. Down here below where the streets sees me lonely for you is a really strange line. I'm not even quite sure I totally get it, but I like the sounds of it. So he's down below and lonely, but he needs to rise up somehow. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the dream thing or he's in the dream. And then it goes back into into that chorus. But there's a little bit more in this chorus when it repeats... And he says, I'm going to press my lips against you and hold you to me. Yeah, that one's a... I can't really give that a pass. Kissing isn't just holding your lips against someone, it, from, from my understanding. It is if it's a pillow. Well, it's, I guess so, yeah. So, well, you can still kiss a pillow. I mean, I practiced yeah. growing up. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can dream about you. You know, you got me spellbound. What else can it be? Actually, I called that chorus. I think this is bridge one. Yeah, and so this now has this sort of magical element with the spellbound. Yeah. And then we move back to verse three, I think. Moving sidewalks, I don't see under my feet. Climbing up from the pain in my heart because it's you that I need. And that kind of goes with that down here below. Yeah. Now he's he's climbing climbing up. up. Yeah. So there is this sort of joy to this, even though he's definitely not with the person. Yeah. But he can dream about that person. But there's solace and relief in it that even though he's not with them, he has them in his mind. Yeah. But not not like in a like possessive your mind up here in my brains, but and I I don't want I, I hesitate to use the word fantasy, but you know, the fantasy's real to him in, in his dreams, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally does. I was listening to a podcast where they're like, oh, it's kind of dark. I'm like, it's totally not dark. When he says, I can dream, he's not dreaming of a world where he's possessive and all the things, right? And it's not a depressing dream. It's just like, well, at least I can dream about you. Like, it's, he's not Eeyore here. Yeah. This is more Everly Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, this is an update of the Everly Brothers. Song. I think so. And then I love looking at these lyrics where he just says, I can dream. I can dream. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I can dream. And then we hit what I call bridge two. I don't understand it. I can't keep my mind off loving you. Not even, even for, for a minute. I love that part. It's just reinforcing the fact I can't keep my mind off you. It's like, not even for a minute, I can't. Yeah. And then, ooh, now, baby, I'm caught up in the magic I see in you. There's one thing to do. And I like it. And he can dream. And it's magic. Yeah. And it's spellbound. And with magic comes dreams. It all brings it together. And the song is so bouncy and joyful. 
Yeah. That to me, you have the sense that he's dreaming about the person, but he's going to meet that. Yeah, he's going to end up with them. I sometimes think about him and his personal life and how he's kept these things private. And in his own life, this might actually be a thing where he he's not as free to be Absolutely. with the person yeah. he wants to be with. Yeah, so yeah. he can dream, but he can't as naturally be with, be with yeah. that person. He's able to, but only in certain moments and ways of constructing a life. It's got to be super tough. And so yeah. it comes out in the It comes the out in songs. his music, right? Yeah. yeah. That so makes that, sense to me. Yeah. So that's a reading I have. And so the song just continues to just highlight its strength by going over that chorus. Yeah. Right? It's so good. It's so, so good. There's times in the chorus too, it's like, I can dream. Like he just really goes for it too, which I, I love. Yeah. And there's that electric guitar moving yeah, yeah, through yeah, it yeah. too. It's so good. And the Winston Ford version is fine and it's good, but it's not as good as what Dan Hartman does because Dan Hartman is able to do a Daryl Hall better than Daryl Hall <laughs> and it's Hall and Oates and it needs to be like this. Yeah. Which makes the song perfect to me. I don't know how to say it better. Yeah. It got better every time I listened to it. I have to say, and I said at the beginning that when you mentioned the song, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I could research this a bit, whatever. But no, I just liked it more and more. Yeah. It was the exact opposite of what happened when we did the Third Eye Blind episode. Yeah, you hate that song more and more. And it's hard for me to hate it more than I already do. I love this song so much. This song or the Third Eye Blind this song? This song. Oh, this okay, song. Good. Not Third Eye Blind. No. <laughs> we've done Third Eye Blind and it's over. All right. You watched the music video, right? Yeah. Okay. So we've talked already about the Sorrells video, but there's this other video where Joyce Heiser was in this movie called Just One of the Guys, which I think came out a year later. Mm -hmm. And so she's just a personality from the 80s that you can kind of recognize when you see yeah. her. Also, she's playing an adult in this video and then plays someone who's in grade 12 or 11. Oh, seriously? Oh, right? okay. It's a yeah. classic 80s. Just like, yeah, okay, yeah. so you're like, what are you, 27 playing a kid? Yeah. She's no... Uh, Andrea Zuckerman. <laughs> Andrea Zuckerman. I think Andrea Zuckerman was our age when I think she played so herself. So in the video, you have Dan Hartman behind a bar serving people while he's looking at Joyce Heiser's watching the Sorrells video yeah. from Streets of Fire. Yeah. And he's there singing the song to himself, serving people, which I think is fitting because he seems like the type of person... Who would rather be behind the bar, just like he is as yeah. a producer? Yeah, and he said like he's a really nice and kind person. You always want a nice and kind bartender. That's why you keep coming back to the Winchester. That's right. That's why I'm here. And then we just happen to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes to the bar and notices that he's got kind eyes, and she looks happy to see him. And then for some reason, he decides to jump up on top of the bar and do his own dance routine to the song. Yeah. 
I feel like in the video, they don't do enough justice to his dancing because you never get to see his feet and whole body moving at the same time. Yeah. So you see his feet moving a bit and he's clapping, but you never get... Then you just see like waist up. Yeah. So it seems like he might not know how to dance, but I watched his earlier videos from the disco era. He can move. There's no question he can't. Yeah. So he pulls her up onto the bar and they dance together. But I have to say they have absolutely no chemistry together. And it feels like in the song, there's a moment where he turns around and does the bridge. Yeah. Where it's clear he's thinking about somebody else to me, which is fitting. He's dreaming about someone else. Yeah. And so is she. And I think this is what the video is about. And if it's not, I don't care because this is what I say (laughs) it's about. I feel like in that video, they're both thinking about someone else, but in their sort of misery of it, they're having this great dance together. Yeah. Okay. There's no sparks between them. But that's the whole point. They're just having fun. And so it seems like this sort of safe, enjoyable place where everyone can have a good time. Yeah. And so at the end, he comes down from the bar, pulls her down, and she looks at him. And it's kind of like maybe she's in love with him. But it ends with a a freeze frame, doesn't it? With him looking at the camera. Right at the camera. (laughs) It's a great freeze frame. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's still dreaming about someone else. They're not, there's no sense that they're ever going to be together. No, 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 no. So there's the video. I like the video. Yeah. I kind of like the Sorrells video better because their dance routine yeah. is so incredible. And again, the moonwalk to the line moving sidewalks is pretty amazing. So as a producer, though, and, and we mentioned this, he did Living in America. Yeah. Rocky Four. Yeah. Like, that's the big song, the, the Apollo Creed entrance music, like, with that big pageantry and stuff. That's Dan Hartman. Yeah. And he's that's co-writer. That's a good song. Yeah. Yeah. And because of it, he ended up doing the next album for James Brown. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, and cool. And it was James Brown's first big hit in, like, 15 years. He yeah. He won a Grammy for it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So this is Dan Hartman coming up with Living in America, which is so strange considering you have this song and Living in America, they just don't feel related. No, 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 no not at all. He is a chameleon. He's he so is. good. He could have done so much more later, like especially in the 90s kind of disco dance renewal stuff that came out. Yeah. He would have been perfect in there. He would know exactly what to do. Like wow. He would have such a great career still going. I'm reading on his Wikipedia page. And some of his stuff was sampled by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yep. He did stuff with Black Box. Yep. Like Strike... Uh, same, it's he the didn't same do, song. Yeah, he didn't do Strike It Up, but he did soundtracks. Uh, he was on the soundtrack for, for Scrooged, uh, which is a great Bill Murray Christmas movie. Yeah. Down and he was, Down in Beverly Hills. He was into everything. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, 2, Secret of the Use. He was he was on that. Yeah. I, and on the first one. He was. Oh, he was goodness. on both. Yeah. And he had a like new age album that came out in 89 for like settling your soul. Like he did. Oh, okay. He was all over the place. Yeah. He's so much more than what I gave him credit for. I just didn't know. And now I feel bad not knowing. Yeah. So we're in grade 11. Or yeah, we were in grade 11 when he passed away. Yeah. And they didn't talk about him when he passed away. It was just, he just passed away. Like yeah. there wasn't, I think his friends all knew, but I mean, maybe he preferred it because he was private anyways, but this feels so tragic. 
Yeah. Well, because it is. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And then like 29 years later, here we are talking about it. Yeah. And And talking about him. Yeah. And hopefully we're uh, going to uh, spark a movement of getting Dan Hartman the praise he's due. Well, getting a statue put up in St. Catharines. Just again, visit our GoFundMe page. Dan Hartman's statue. Right next to Neil Peart Pavilion in Port Dalhousie. All right. Should we just go straight to mixtape, or do you want to talk about the most obvious category? Hallmark movie? Yeah, I guess that would be the most obvious. Or the Michael Bolton. I was really thinking Michael Bolton. Well, the Hallmark movie is called Streets of Fire, but (laughs) although it said on my Amazon Prime it was for seven-year-olds, I think the nudity and the strip dance scene should have put it up to about 14 plus. Yeah, I would think so. 17 plus. But this song, I think, could definitely be part of a Hallmark movie. Yeah, even better than what Streets of Fire was doing with it. Yeah. For sure. Because this was right at the end of Streets of Fire, right? So it's almost like an add-on. It didn't fit. Yeah. But it fit because the movie's so weird. Yeah, I I think we could build a Hallmark movie around this. Yeah. Hallmark, reach out. We got ideas. It's a man in a sleep lab who's falling in love with a doctor that is doing the uh, uh, sleep-like experiments on him. But the doctor is actually in his dreams. Yes. Oh, this is always oh, like, am They're, I awake or am I dreaming? Exactly. But the doctor's in love with the patient, but too shy to say anything, inserting themselves into his dreams. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's even like sci-fi. It's sci-fi. Hallmark sci-fi. Wow. Okay. This could be a whole new range for Hallmark <laughs> in space. Hallmark in space. <laughs> Hallmark, reach out. We can help you, you know, make uh, ends meet. And I am looking for another revenue stream. So, you know, put me on as executive producer for all of these movies. Okay. Could Michael Bolton, should Michael Bolton sing this Could song? he? Yes. Should he? I don't think so. No, I can't. He can't do Hollow Notes. Although I would say that Dan Hartman probably could have done any Michael Bolton song. That's a fair statement. I think he could have. Here's another interesting thing. Hollow Notes actually did this song yeah, in 2004. Yeah, it. Yeah. But their cover is so underwhelming. It's a bit sanitized, isn't it? It just seems a little... It seems bland. It's 20 years too late. Yeah. Daryl Hall's no longer kind of going for those notes. And they're purposely not trying to sound like Hollow Notes, where it's like, hey, Hall, hey, Oates, we want you to sound like Hollow Notes. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but... I'm going to bring it up again. You and I got kicked out of the mosh pit at the Hall Notes concert. <laughs> you know. Well, it wasn't so much a mosh pit as the VIP area. Yeah. but I like to think of it as a mosh pit. Yeah. And we got picked because we're the most innocent looking people there. What I love about us getting kicked out was as the security guard is asking to see our VIP passes, there was someone who right in front of us laid down on the ground and rolled under the opening in the fence. And we we're just like, that guy is rolling under. Yeah. The security guard also didn't believe that it was Johnny Oates's <laughs> son. Yeah, Peter. That Oates. was a great. That's a great move when you told him your name was Peter Oates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, it didn't pay off the way that I thought it was going yeah, to. Yeah. 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 More trying to hold 
someone close to my life It's time for finding Some way to get through my sleepless nights I can dream about you All right, mixtape. Mixtape. I'm going to let you go first on this one. Okay. So what I decided to do, let me go get to my mixtape, is pick songs that were um, Dan Hartman adjacent. Okay. So that he was involved in, even though, okay. you know, we, you might not know it, but he was either producer or writer. So I have, let's see, where will I start? Well, I'm going to start with Free Ride. Because I was shocked by this. Yeah. And then I put an instant replay because it's so awesome. Mm -hmm. And then I put in Living in America, James Brown. Yeah. Because he co-wrote that and produced it. Simply the best. Tina Turner. Was he involved on that? He produced it. Oh, wow. So it's called The Best. Yeah. He was there. And then I have two more. And so you kind of brought it up already. So there's a song called Love Sensation. By Lolita Holloway. Okay. Who he was, um, I think he co-wrote a bunch of times with her. And this song got sampled a lot in the early 90s. Okay. By Black Box for Ride On Time. Okay. And by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, which is my last track, Good Vibrations. Okay. Because that is using the Love Sensation song. And it's, again, so you can see Dan Hartman's influence reaching into that now of course yeah. i'm stepping on our marky mark episode that is yet to be made hey rick i hope you're listening because you're coming to join us for this but we're going to do marky mark later but i'm just to wet the appetite yeah i went very simplistic again with my mixtape songs about dreams and i i tried to make sure that all the songs weren't just the title dream yeah like you know dreams by the cranberry brothers Oh, or, yeah, or that, that yeah. too. Okay, so those are two songs. What but else? Those aren't have? on my mix. Oh, wow. Okay. Bunch of these, we have actually done a, a couple of these songs. Get Out of My Dreams, Get Into My Car by Billy Ocean. Excellent. These Dreams, Heart. Unbelievably great song. All right, the next song, Dream, isn't in the title, but it's in the lyrics. I had a dream. I had an awesome dream. People in the park playing games in the dark. Say You Say Me. Unreal. Lionel Richie. That's another one of our episodes as well with our good friend Liz. River of Dreams, Billy Joel. Full circle here with our conversation about Holland Oats. You make my dreams come true. And then we close it off with Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. That's fantastic. That's so good. I want it to be its own playlist. <laughs> that is, that's one of your best playlists ever. I thought it was pretty good. I hit a point where I just stopped trying to like say preach on every time you said a song i was just like okay i'm gonna be quiet for a bit yeah but i loved every single song you just put in there wow that was really good it's my gift it's great playlists all right for a wedding would you play the song in a wedding wedding dj yeah i think so it'd be fun i think it would be a fun song and then hopefully someone would jump on top of the bar and not slip and crack their head skull but if they did yeah. the dance in the bar that'd be pretty cool yeah exactly kind of like a cocktail slash coyote ugly thing yeah but platonic yeah (laughs) 
this has been so incredible to talk about Dan Hartman. And originally, when you mentioned it, I thought it'd be one of our short episodes. But I've spent all day enjoying reading about his life and his music. And it's been so fantastic learning about the artist, the man, and... The legend. The legend, yes. His hands were in so many different things. And Free Ride, uh, Living in America, like these big songs, these massive songs that you had no idea. Yeah, this is Dan Hartman. And who's Dan Hartman? Well, Dan Hartman is the man. Yeah, and those disco tracks that are crazy good. Yeah. And then, of course, this song, which gets better every time I listen to it. And we hope you have also kind of caught on to the fire that we're trying to relight here for Dan Hartman. So as we close this episode, we want to thank you again, once again, for joining us. And even though you can't be with us, we can dream about you, even if we can't hold you tonight. You have been listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.